Hi, welcome to Tabletop Transmissions. I'm, uh, well, as usual, I'm one of your hosts, Liz, and joining me tonight are uh, my usual co-hosts. I am Cassie. And hello, I'm Fran. All right, so how's everybody doing today? Pretty well, pretty well. Tired, but otherwise hanging in there. I've, I've been... I've spent most of this week, uh, when I haven't been running errands, trying to rectify the the Scarred Lands calendar, which is an exciting and complicated process, considering that at one point the gods broke time. So, <laughs> I'm just thinking, huh? I wonder how you calculate overtime pay in mm-hmm. somewhere that time is broken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, uh, the, the Scarred Lands doesn't have good unions. No. 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 Very bad unions, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking, okay, now we need a DSA uh, Scarred Lands caucus. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, no, no. So, uh, this week we are going to be talking about dice. Uh, yes. how they how they affect the game, some superstitions around them, opinions on dice, and maybe even some of our favorite dice. Yeah, so <laughs> Fran, Fran and I were to, actually got together on Friday with a bunch of people to watch Doctor Who. And I I said to them, so what uh, what should we talk about on Sunday? And one of them said dice, and I was like, haha, very funny. And Fran said, no, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, and their presence, their absence, how they've you know, shaped gaming, that horrifying trend that's happened lately where every every game has its own custom dice. Yeah, I um I I did I did say that I wasn't going to go back and re research the history of dice because mm-hmm. I've forgotten almost everything I used to know, although maybe some of it'll come up. And I did not. So mm-hmm. we're not gonna be talking so much about dice history yeah. beyond uh early D&D, but, uh, I mean, you know, the Egyptians had platonic solids. If, <laughs> if they do, if, if people do want a history of dice, there's an interesting book, I believe it's called Bones. Oh, I've heard of that, yes. Um, I think it's on DriveThru is where I've seen it. Oh, cool. DriveThru RPG. And, and a fantastic, um, history of role-playing games, uh, well, I shouldn't say role-playing games, but war, war games and how they evolved into role-playing games is um, Playing at the World by uh, John Peterson, um, which is what I was going to start digging into. It's a gigantic mm-hmm. book. It goes yeah. it goes from um, the earliest war games, like the earliest war games, all the way through before pre-chess through um, the creation and, and publication and whatnot of D&D. And it is a beautiful book. Hmm. I can't find the, name, the exact name of the title. I'll, I will search for it later, and we will find it. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so uh, talking about dice. So I guess was anybody? I guess well, first of all, let's start. What's our favorite die? Who? I mean, every every I feel like every role player has uh, has a die that's their favorite. <laughs> like not talking like favorite specific die, but like what type? Mm. Like, like D twenties, D twelves. Wow, that's um, an interesting one. Yeah, I don't know. The twenty is the one I use the most often. Uh, I have got a super soft spot in my heart for D fours. Oh God! <laughs> um, you like the act to hurt people's feet? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, there was. Yesterday, I was, uh, I, I say yesterday, it was actually like two weeks ago. I have a poor <laughs> grasp of time, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, I was walking in our in our living room, and I had knocked my dice bag over off the coffee table, and some had spilled. I thought I had grabbed them all, but I've got this little kind of clear uh, D4 mm-hmm. that I missed, and it just went right into my foot. Oh. Right, yeah. right into the arch, and... Uh, so when you say you have a soft spot for D4s, you meant that quite literally. You had yeah, a vulnerable place on your body for D4. For, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, that and pointing a wizard in 3.5 D&D. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I, I heard a great joke about that. How much damage uh, does a four-sided die do when you step on it? Uh. <laughs> 1d4. Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. that's a great joke. I I, I don't know. <laughs> I I never said it was funny. You guys didn't audition me when I signed up for this thing, so we we didn't. The original the uh, to be honest, the original casting for Fran was uh, I I don't know. Uh, um, uh, I can never say her birth name, but Dreyfus. Um. Mm. I'm sorry, I'm tired. Julia Louise Dreyfus. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, yep. we got we got Elaine from Seinfeld. She was going to be Fran, but there were scheduling <laughs> conflicts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, no, so yeah, so D, I like D4s. Uh, Cassie, you like D20s. Well, I mean, that's what I normally that's what I use the most. I don't know which one I like the most. Wow. Okay. Mm. I don't know. Fran. <clears throat> Well, everybody get ready to take a drink because uh I yeah. I I have to say I got a I got a special place in my heart for the D10. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> it's the die you use in Cyberpunk unless you're shooting somebody in the face, then it's yeah. D6s. But yeah, D10s um I've rolled a lot of uh really really amazing uh critical successes and really really embarrassing fumbles on D10s. Oh, I guess can I change mine to percentile die? Sure. Yeah. Cause there's oh like, yes. There's mm-hmm. nothing. There's nothing like rolling a ninety-nine on a sand check. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. That is true. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I I I I love I love most dice. Um, I I think once you get into the higher numbers, the cylindrical and ball dice start to get really ridiculous. Um, and I do not understand why anybody would need a D31 for oh. anything. Hold but, that thought. Uh, Keep talking. I want to go grab my uh, my DCC dice. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I actually I have a specific set of weirdly shaped dice that I use when I'm playing my Aarakocra monk because she's a weirdo, and I, I thought it would be fun for her to have weird dice. So I have these little... <laughs> Um, I have basically a bunch of uh, cylindrical dice, including uh, D4s and D6s. And D4s work really well as cylindrical. Um, once you get up to about D20, D10, you stop being able to tell what you're holding. Mm-hmm. Um, so D4, D6, D8, those all work pretty well. D10, yeah, you can kind of get in there. D12, is this a 10 or a 20? D20... Oh wow! It, it it won't stop rolling, and after that, it's just you know, it's uh, it's I, just not. I, I I gotta say that um, as I said last uh, on Friday night, um, I for me it's platonic solids plus D tens, mm-hmm. and that's it. I just I I don't. I mean, I understand why a game would use a D thirty kind of. Um, I'm actually holding my D thirty in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> You're a classicist. You're a traditionalist, and there's there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. There's there's a part of me that feel, and this is I think this is really true. There's a part of me that feels that some of these games who are using these weird dice are doing it only because Mm -hmm. that makes them unique because they use weird the weird dice. Mm. Yeah. Um, Something I should say to everybody because. you know, we have people who are listening to this podcast who don't really play role-playing games. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what I mean by platonic solids are there? Um, God, how can I? So there were a list of. Um, it's a mathematical. And Frank, can you take this? <laughs> uh, I can't necessarily explain it, but the idea is basically uh, they are solids that are constructed out of objects where all the the, uh, the sides line up with other sides of another object without being bent or turned concave. So a four-sided die is made of four triangles because each triangle connects to the sides of three other triangles. Um, a six-sided die, for example, is made of six uh, square faces, so each one of the squares connects with another one. Um, Twelve-siders are uh, 
pentagons, if I'm visualizing that correctly in my head. What about an eight-siders or diamonds, right? Yeah, eight-siders or yeah. diamonds. Um, and uh, and 20s. So the platonic solids are the 4, the 6, the 8, the 12, and the 20. Mm-hmm. Originally for D&D, because, um, and that was what was made. I mean, those mm-hmm. these are these are ancient shapes. These, yeah, shapes they... these dice yeah. go back to the Greeks and the Egyptians. Mm-hmm. The ancient yep. Greeks, I should say, and the, and the ancient Egyptians. Um, and originally with D&D, because um, Gary wanted a percentile kind of thing, and they needed mm-hmm. a D10, um, the D20 was 1 through 10, 1 through 10, in addition mm-hmm. to a second D20. Um, because uh, they hadn't figured out how to make a D10 yet. But with um, with modern technology and whatnot, um, they're not limited to platonic solids mm-hmm. anymore. And so thus we have the D30 and the D100, and um, I think there's a D50. Oh, so I'm holding in my hand right now a D3, mm-hmm. uh, a D7, a D5, mm-hmm. D24, yep. D14. Uh, D, uh, no, I'm sorry, D16, D14. Mm-hmm. Do you D13. have a Zachihedron? A Zachihedron being a 100-sided die, which, um, Which is a ball. It's a ball. Which is, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a golf ball full of, uh, full of beads, and it's really difficult to actually know which number it has stopped on. It's just so. ridiculous. I'm yeah, sorry. I mean they're entertaining, and most of us have one. But it's you know it's it's sort of like a fisherman with a Billy the Singing Trout on his wall. You know, I just have it. You know, yeah, you know. I mean, honestly, okay. So, and we I should explain what percentile dice are mm-hmm. in current use. Um, originally, again, it was d twenties, but in current use, um, it's a d ten. And it's 2d10, and a lot of the time what you do in a dice set is you get a regular d10, and you get a d10 that's labeled mm-hmm. 10, 20, 30, et cetera, et cetera, up to 0, 0. And you roll both of those together, and one is your 10's place, and one is your 1's place. Yep. Uh, hopefully that made sense to our listener. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I I've actually seen a really clever design recently where <clears throat> you have a very large 10-sided die with a smaller 10-sided die inside of it. So the big one is clear. Yep. And so you roll the big one, and then you just check the number on the big one to get the 10s place, and then you look through that plastic, and you get your 1s place off the smaller die that's inside. Yeah, I mean, that's cool, but I'd rather roll two dice. <laughs> like I said... You're a classicist. Well, it's the feeling of rolling two. You know, no, I think that's awesome. But there's a tactile feeling about rolling multiple dice that that is very that is very fun. You probably say to whom in casual conversation too. Uh, occasionally, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, speaking for us philistines who used to work too, um, <laughs> let me ask you this. So, do we? So. Forget, I forget who said it. I'm sorry. But one of yeah. you has said that you think games that use weird dice are just using them to be different. I said that, and it's not entirely true, but I definitely think that they want to use the some weird dice to distinguish themselves in some ways. Like DCC definitely mm. wanted to... They wanted to be um, classic... You know, they wanted to be OD yeah. and original D&D, but they wanted to have their own mark on it. Yeah, well, I think I think with DCC they wanted to get you that feeling of opening up this box and there's all these strange things in there, and so the idea of opening up a box and having a D3 and a D7 is kind of what is this? Which I can very much say that was sort of part of the magic of D and D is you had these strange dice that you sort of were effectively, you know, there it was almost like. I'm conjuring with these things. It made it magical and it made it feel unique in its own thing. You know, you couldn't just use Monopoly dice for uh, for most things. You had this strange new set of things. And especially when you're young and you don't necessarily understand how probability curves work, that's kind of magical. I don't understand uh, how I would, probability curves work now. I would like uh, to note that uh, for the... Uh, 
uh, Moms Against D and D. We are not actually conjuring. Please yeah. do not send yeah. representatives to us. It is <laughs> it is absolutely metaphorical. I I cannot summon demons. I can barely even summon an Uber. So uh, yeah, you have nothing uh, and, to worry about. And there are no steam tunnels where we are currently. Mm. I mean, it's kind of muggy in my basement. Does that count? Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Blaze, you were going to make a point a long time ago. <laughs> I, I was. So, uh, um, so we've got so role players. We love our dice. Um, I mean, I I'm going to be going to FlameCon this weekend. I'm sure I'm going to have an opportunity to get dice. I'm probably going to get some dice. Um, what are, so we, I already know what, what do you, we, we sort of know what your favorite types of dice are, but specifically, do you have a, a favorite die you like to use? Yeah, I have, I have a few, I have a favorite die and then a, a favorite dice sets. Um, okay. What are your, what, both of which um, are relatively new. Um, okay. my favorite, my favorite die is a metal D20 that, um, uh, my wife got me Aww. where, uh, instead of the one, it simply says, fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, that's, that's a big hit whenever I bring it out too. And, mm-hmm. uh, and my, my favorite two dice sets, I cannot remember the company. It was, a, I was part of a Kickstarter. I cannot remember the company, but I have, um, uh, pride dice that are in rainbows and trans dice that are um, pink, white, and blue. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. I love them so much. <laughs> yeah, you can probably find those online pretty easily. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what the heck's going on with the company who made them because they were mm-hmm. like, oh, we're putting them out for retail. We'll let you know. And I haven't heard mm-hmm. anything because um, Rebecca wants another set. Mm-hmm. And I haven't heard a thing from them, but I'm sure, I'm sure uh, they're around. Yeah. Uh, as far as me, um, it's tough. I, um, you guys already know, I don't do favorites. Um, I have things that I like and things that I don't necessarily think about as much, but, um, I, oh yeah, no, I love, I, I have lots of dice that I love, but I love them all for different reasons. And I don't, there's not like one that, you know, if you lined them all up and set fire to my house, I would just go through with the snow shovel and get all of them. Um, (laughs) so, um, I think among my favorites, um, I've got a big, uh, uh, like a, a quarter sized, um, D20 made out of um, made out of like uh, uh, unpolished steel that I really like. Um, it's just got a really good heft to it in my hand. Mm. Um, I also have a bunch of uh, D10s from back in the cyberpunk days, and um, a couple of yellow ones that I know were stolen from somebody's uh, Fortress America set. That always make me happy because it reminds me of the of the days back before I could just buy whatever game system I wanted, and I had to sort of scrounge with you know with with great vigor to find enough dice to actually play anything I wanted to play. And um, <clears throat> I'll close by saying I have a um, if anybody here has ever seen one of those little uh, glasses repair kits that comes in a tiny little plastic tube. Um, I have a tiny little plastic tube in my purse at all times with a set of brass dice about the size of um, maybe like sunflower seeds, Um, you know, in case a game breaks out. Brand loves her tiny dice. She Mm -hmm. used to have so many. She does have so many sets, but she used to use them all. And Mm -hmm. uh, we used to joke it was so none of us could actually see what the numbers were. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, by the way, the company that made the dice is a heartbeat. Mm. Is is the dice company? I just uh, went and looked up my Kickstarter. So, uh, cool. so yeah, I don't. I, I'm not sure if they're actually doing anything. But uh, for those of you who are interested, um, I think I just found them. Really? Heartbeat. Uh, heartbeat dice. Uh, dot com. Yeah. Oh, nice. 
but anyway, um, I think mine, so, um, this is embarrassing to admit, uh, <laughs> mine is a Rainbow Dash D20 that has Rainbow Dash's cutie mark as the 20. Oh, dude, are you kidding? That's not embarrassing at all. That's awesome. <laughs> That's that, adorable. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, Rainbow Dash, uh, best pony. Mm-hmm. I, I will fight someone over that. But, well, uh, I'm Fluttershy, so I won't. That's right. I won't. I won't fight mm-hmm. anyone. But um, uh, okay. So I think we we've established that we have dice in abundance. <laughs> I mean, um, have either of you ever bought a Chessex Poundo dice? I have not, <laughs> but I I haven't. Um... You guys don't need to buy a Chessex pound of dice, Fran. You have several pounds of dice. I think I'm pretty sure Sarah has, in fact, bought a pound of dice. I don't know if it was from <laughs> Chessex or not. I um, I have as well. Um... I actually um a very quick funny story. I had a friend who was moving uh, out of out of his apartment and onto a boat, and um. He uh, came up to me and said, so, Fran, um, I got a question for you. What do you do with uh, extra dice that you don't need? And I said, you can have extra dice. And he said, that's the right answer. (laughs) And he gave me this giant, giant bag of of, uh, all kinds of different dice. And uh, ever since then, we have had the the biggest bunch of uh, guest dice I think anybody's ever seen. People are like, "This is just your guest dice." Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Oh, uh, and, and and of course, a bunch of them were the gay dice. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he is he is very definitely and conclusively straight, and um, as far as I know, quite cisgender. Um, but an astounding number of his dice were what one could only describe as real pink. Um, so <laughs> I I kind of was like, you know. For, uh, I don't really like to, you know, joke about somebody's dice preferences, but these are some really, really gay dice. Um, so yeah, we do we do colloquially refer to them as the gay dice, but um, you know, if uh, if my friend happens to hear this at some point, uh, they are they're a point of pride in our household, and they are maintained yeah, in a place of honor and brought out only for guests. So they are loved. Yeah, they're well loved. <laughs> That's another. That's a thing. Um, a lot. I I I have very successfully often managed to to steer myself away, but um, that is another thing that role players do is we buy dice. We don't need more dice. Mm-hmm. That's pretty. Let's mm-hmm. buy it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It could be crystals or you know cars or whatever. And, um, and admittedly, there are people who buy crystal dice. There are gemstone dice out there that are gorgeous. So oh my god. <laughs> yep. Oh, I I want to mention um, because actually, the person who made my favorite die just sent me a Twitter message. Oh. Uh, she's not listening, but we're we're friends on Twitter, so it's from. Uh, Aroc Gaming, that's A-R-O-C Gaming. Mm. Um, she makes it out to cons up and down the East Coast. So, you know, you see her? She's got good dice. Mm. In fact, my dice bag came from her, too. Very yeah. cool. So it's a hopefully, dap- she'll, hopefully she'll hear this. It's a Dapper Cthulhu. Mm. Nice. He's got, he's got a monocle. Yeah, <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were at Emerald City Comic Con a few years ago, and I was with walking with Fran's wife and, and I looked over and tapped Fran's wife on the shoulder and said, you must own that. And there was a, <laughs> a holder dice bag mm-hmm. with all the eye stocks. <laughs> yeah. You grab two specific eye stocks and pull and that's how you close right. the bag. Yeah. Oh. Listener, she bought it. <laughs> that's oh, yes. so good. Oh yes. There was no, there was no delay. There was no pause for consideration. No. <laughs> yeah. Snort. So, so okay. So, like I was saying before, we've established that we have just a literal ton of dice. I, I think <laughs> actually between us, we might have a ton. Um, mm-hmm. But so anyway, games that um, make you buy specialty dice. Mm-hmm. What do we think of those? Because 
I I have I have very complicated feelings in regard to those games. Mm. I yeah. mean, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> the ones that I like are the ones that say you can use the specialty dice, but you can also use normal dice, and here's how. Mm-hmm. Um, like fate, you can actually you can use fate dice, but you don't have to. Yeah. Um, that I appreciate. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. The, the two that stick out the most in my mind are um, uh, are, are Star Wars Fantasy Flight games, and I think it's 4th edition Warhammer had funky mm. dice, the one that also oh, from Fantasy Flight. Mm. Uh, well, Warhammer is Warhammer. <laughs> mm. it, was, it, was, well, it was a Warhammer role-playing game. Oh, the role-playing game. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, well, I mean... Yeah, Fantasy Flight, I mean, that's the thing. Um, some game companies are just game companies. Some game companies also sell game supplies. Mm-hmm. Fantasy Flight is one of the latter. <laughs> um, or at least historically has been. Um, you know, there was the rumor that the reason that D&D used all those kinds of dice was because um, uh, Gary wound up buying a huge ton of those weird dice and, <laughs> and had to sell them. I don't believe that's true, but yeah. um, but I can see that being true with fantasy. I mean, I haven't played either of those games. Um, for me, Star Wars is a D6 game. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. what kind of dice do they use? So they use, they use a bunch of um, different kinds of D10s, some D12s, some D6s, mm-hmm. and they're... Fantasy Flight Star Wars is, is, is really a... It's a weird game. Uh, it's it doesn't. I I don't. I, we can talk about Fantasy Flight Star Wars. In fact, we may just do an episode on Star Wars role playing. I think that's mm. a great idea. But um, yeah, you know, it's it doesn't. It in my mind, it can't make up its mind whether it wants to be story driven or crunchy, and I don't think it ends up doing either of those, or it doesn't communicate how to do either of those real well. Okay, any star, any game that wants to be Star Wars and wants to be crunchy has a problem right there. Mm. That's me. yeah, <laughs> but, that's madness. Yeah, never tell me the odds. <laughs> but um, um yeah, so it so it uses these like conflict dice and you roll them, and your opponent rolls special yeah. dice, and you know honestly, I wouldn't have a big problem with it if those dice weren't so dang expensive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. like I said, that's in some ways why they did it, was to sell the dice. And it's it's whether the tail, you know, I hate to use this term, but it's whether the, the dog wags the tail or the tail wags the dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, most role-playing games, it's the dog wags the tail. It's, uh, hey, go out and buy these dice. But in some yeah. games, it's like, well, we have these cool dice. Let's design a, a game around them. Or let's make it so they have to buy the dice. Mm-hmm. Um I, yeah, I mean, that really, that does really bug me, because um, it is another barrier to um, entry. Yeah. Um, or, or it's a, or what it's saying is the DM should go and have a huge amount of dice and mm-hmm. uh, be able to hand them out to the players, which, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, it's, it's a barrier to entry to the game. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of have the... Um... Did I did either of you ever play any old World of Darkness or like I guess Oh yeah. Ages and ages ago. World of Darkness too. Mm-hmm. Like whatever they're calling it, yeah. Chronicles of Darkness, I think now. But I either way, D ten. Mm-hmm. You just yep. you just need a bunch of D tens. Yep. That's yeah, I was that's that's because of the the work done by someone who on a game we won't mention because I don't want to get anyone drunk. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I uh that's why I bought the pound of dice was just to get enough D tens. Yeah. Because that was the point where you couldn't just go out and buy a block of D tens like you can now. Yeah. Uh I mean yeah, this was like early I was still in high school, so early two thousands. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking more of the, the mid nineties, but we we didn't was, Bear in mind, this is rural West Virginia. We didn't have a game store. <laughs> oh, God. Yep. 
what are some superstitions y'all have about your dice? Like, I know for me, whenever my dice start to roll poorly, they get punished. Yep. <laughs> um, and they get punished by going in the freezer. Oh my god. Oh, wow. There was, yeah, there was... That's hardcore. Yeah, um... The cooler immediately. I, I had forgotten Hogan. about that. And I moved apartments once, and I'm just cleaning out the freezer. Oh, and, I'm like, and I'm just finding, like, like frozen. Like, I'm defrosting the fr- the freezer, and it's... And I'm like, what are... Give us master. Oh, my God. This is where all my wow. D6s went. Oh, my God. <laughs> we were yeah. playing Shadowrun. Oh, jeez. I, I don't I don't do as as much as I used to, but I used to train my dice, which you know you, there are two there are two thoughts to training dice. The thought is to either leave them with the highest side up or the lowest side up. <laughs> the highest side up is to encourage them to roll the highest side. And the lowest side up is to tell them what not to roll. I I thought I was the only one who did the lowest side up thing, and it was mostly just because it annoyed one of our other friends who. Um, who gets really tweaked out, and he's a uh, he's a he's a big uh, um, what's it called knolling person. Um, if you know what knolling is, it's when you sort of take any loose random crap in front of you and sort of organize it by size and category and orientation and everything is he just sort of a has a certain, he probably has a certain amount of OCD. Yes, I um, I really I really thought when you said knolling, I was like, wait, is that like negging? No, 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 no. I get I never, it. I get it now. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd never heard the term either, Franz. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's but but you've definitely seen him do it. I'm sure. Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it. I picked up the term from watching uh, Adam Savage on uh, Tested. He talks about doing it a lot and has the habit of doing it a lot. Mm-hmm. And so uh, our friend would go out and, you know, take all of the dice, uh, you know, dump out his bag on the table every time in a giant mess. And then by the end of the game, everything would be organized by size and color and 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 die size and everything. And they would all be, you know, up on the high values. And then he would start on anybody else's dice that he could reach. And I was like. I'm not doing this. I I will admit I have, um, I'm, I don't know what the count. I I am substitious. Uh, I believe there are not lucky numbers, and uh, I believe that there are not, uh, affirmatively believe that there are not in fact uh, chain letters that will make your life go better. To the point where I have a lucky cheddar, chain letter that I got in college, and I keep it. And I've been very lucky. So, um, so yeah, I started training my dice inverse. So I was, uh, when, when everybody else, because it horrifies people at the table when you set everything up to all once. They're like, no, you're doing it wrong. All the luck will run up and get stuck to the ceiling or something. And, like, it freaks them out. Okay, so, so in, okay, I just want to say this. Now, I do not believe, I think training dice is a ridiculous superstition. <laughs> And I acknowledge that is a ridiculous superstition. But one thing that I will say is there could be there could be something physical to it, because, of course, the more you roll dice, the more that the more the edges break down and the less. um, Yeah, on mud dice. Yes. (laughs) On modern poly dice. Really? No. I mean, you got to you got to really work on those things. Um, But. I do. I do have some older dice. As you know, an older D12 that might be a sphere somewhere. <laughs> uh, I yeah. I mean, I've got an old D20 that basically just you know, if if you roll it on a on a lumpy wooden floor, it won't stop rolling. But um, but yeah, the uh, although they um, Sarah did find uh some information online about how to use water to test for um density in dice i remember and, that and you can yeah. see what you could see whether the die was yeah the whether the die had an internal bias based on its balance and yeah. so there's there's a little bit of that but yeah beyond that i they they they're really really good instruments of randomization and, and random number generation and you can tell that because you get hot streaks and cold streaks 
True. Yeah. Although true, I, true yeah, randomness I, means you see occasional streaks where it's like, I have been rolling three forever today. Yeah. I, I, the other thing I do besides occasionally training my dice is, um, you know, after about three or four bad dice roll, oh, you're bad. Put it aside. <laughs> grab a new die. That's pretty much my extent. I, no, no, no freezer for me. <laughs> no, I, I, I will definitely, I will retire dice every once in a while, but that's more just sort of an emotional sop to myself. Of like, well, yeah, obviously, I gotta do something, otherwise I'm gonna chew this one to pieces. It's all an emotional. It's all, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you were gonna say, Liz? No, I just, I just, I just feel like. I feel like our listeners are going to think that I'm some kind of psychopath. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, listen, God, listen, no. listen. I've never, I, I mean, I've never threatened the dice, and and really, I have. And, well, I mean, they know <laughs> such an incredulous sounding, really. <laughs> like, really. <laughs> I, I don't know anybody who games who hasn't at some point thought, you know, this house has a garbage disposal. <laughs> so, so again, for non-role players here, I mean, we're not as bad as baseball players, okay? We're not as bad as baseball players. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I mean... Freezer dice over here. I can't really say much, <laughs> but uh, uh so, so many of them. Yeah. So I mean, so different games um, call for different dice. For example, um, we're talking about World of Darkness, and um, yet I'll, I'll say it because I can get away with it. Cyberpunk, which are D10s, the original Star Wars role playing game, as well as the original Doctor Who role playing game, and, mm-hmm. and a few others were all D6 based, which I believe was it's the simplest game I've ever I've ever mm-hmm. played. Uh, modern Doctor Who still D6. Really? Okay, yeah. I've tried the modern game yet. Um, and D and D of course uses every single one of the Platonic solids plus a D10, um, and they were really the first ones to use that kind of dice. In fact, my first set of dice was. Um, a uh, set of yellow dice with um, that that were that were just plain yellow with a blue crayon that came in the D and D basic mm-hmm. box set, 1982 or three or whatever it was. Um, earlier ones I think were blue, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I I think mine were blue. Yeah. I was I was gonna ask if either of you had had the um. The the D and D beginners box that did not come with dice, but it came with the uh, little slips of paper. Nope, we are not that old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's 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 just just a little before our time. But yes, originally mm-hmm. um, there were the, the idea of slips of paper of uh, little chits that you put in a bag, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, yeah, dice make much more sense. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, so this is kind of an ancillary question. Yeah. Dice bags. Uh, who here has mm-hmm. a Crown Royal bag? No, but I know several people who do. Yes, I, I just, I loved someone on Twitter that I saw, like, like, you know, watching a Crown Royal commercial. Wow, why are all these people bragging their dice all over the place? <laughs> <laughs> so yep. Crown Royal is, Crown Royal comes in these wonderful bags. It's a liquor that comes in these wonderful bags. That often uh, can double for dice bags, and lots and lots and lots of, of role players actually just use Crown Royal bags. Um, we suckers who don't have them wind up going out <laughs> and buying dice bags. Well, I mean, I don't really drink, so I don't know what I would do with the with the liquor. <laughs> you give it to mm-hmm. somebody. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, some several of our okay, we had a friend who. Um, who worked uh, in a um, newsstand cigar store back in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And um, they would, uh, and this whole group of friends, used cigar boxes to hold yep. dice and paraphernalia for D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a trend among us for mm-hmm. a little 
Um, I think I have one somewhere, but it's it's a it's a it's a cardboard one. It's not one of the nice wooden ones. Mm. Some of them, and the some cardboard of them, ones were pretty nice too, actually. Some of them still use them, um, and they help they hold up tremendously well. So you know, liquor, cigars, it's all about sin. Uh-huh. <laughs> Didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna we're gonna get mad. Are they still a thing? Mothers against D and D. I don't know. I don't well, know. I'd be kind of surprised that 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 kind of that kind of tightly screwed does not usually get unscrewed. So that's that's actually a good point. Um, uh, the current the current uh, anti-gay rhetoric that's turned into turf rhetoric. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get yeah. unscrewed. It just gets redirected. Yeah. Um. Dice yeah. are turning the frogs gay. <laughs> and then, of course, there's a uh, there's my all time favorite anti D and D thing, which oh, is Jack God. Chick Dark Dungeons, which I love. Oh, yeah. Ironically, unironically, I love it in every mm-hmm. way. We uh, I kind of feel like we should do an episode where we talk, where we where we read through uh, we read through uh, <laughs> Darkest Dungeon and oh, uh, oh wow. Or or we uh we watch mazes and monsters. Oh, I don't oh, know. Oh, please no, please God no. no. Okay, okay. Here's what we'll do. When, that is when, not something I can do without three little robots down in the lower right corner of the screen. Might, I just can't. It might, be, it might be fun to watch Baby Tom Hanks. It when might... when I come up to visit, I'll bring I'll bring mazes and monsters to watch. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Only because you're a nice person. <laughs> I I will cook. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so so yeah, so the games. Some games use specific dice with other dice as sort of an ancillary thing, um, like for damage or for like in in the case of Cyberpunk, where some of the damage is done with d sixes, but the most of the actual rolls are d tens. Um, or D&D, for that matter, where most of the actual rolls are D20s, and then there are other rolls mixed in. Um, and then there are some games that uh, that require uh, special versions of the dice. Like, um, Fate has specific special dice, but they have an adaptation for you to just use normal numbered dice. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the Final Fantasy stuff you were talking about. And then there are some games that don't use dice at all. No, uh, yeah, we haven't even talked about those. Nope. Yep. Um, uh, I mean, we could do an. We could literally. Uh, we keep saying we could do an entire episode on, but we could literally yeah. do an entire episode on. Dice okay, folks, hold us to it. Next week, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about diceless games. Oh God, yeah, we're okay. out of time. Holy crap, that went by fast. Oh my God. So next, next week's going to be our, our number fifteen. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Stay tuned, folks, for diceless. Yeah. <laughs> so, Where we're so, going, uh, we don't need dice. <laughs> ba, ba, da, ba, da, da, da. It's your games, Marty. It's your games. Uh, hang on. There's a knock at the door. I think it's someone in a suit with a letter. Uh, I gotta go deal with this real quick. Okay. Okay. No. No. Right. no. Okay. So, um, so yeah. So, um, the di- obviously dice are a major component in RPGs, and we could do multiple uh, episodes about them. And I am going to make another plug here and say, you know, we could talk about anything about them. We, 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 as you hear, we were very free form about this. If you have special questions about dice, about mm-hmm. how they're using role playing games, about specific games that use them, about anything connected with them, ask us because we could use the guidance to be perfectly yeah. frank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd be, it, it would feel really good to know that we're, you know, doing something that you guys specifically want done, telling mm-hmm. stories that you want told, answering questions that you that you want answered. And um, yeah, and basically, I would rather talk about something that an, a listener is interested in hearing about than just try to figure it out and babble myself um, at least once or twice. Yep. So. Before we move on to shout-outs, um, there's something I kind of want to talk about real quick. Sure. Uh, sure. That's the new Rocco special. Oh, well, that was going to be one of my shout-outs. Well, okay, well, we can still shout-out to it, but 
Well, then let's let's go ahead and move on to shout outs. So, <laughs> Cassie, do you want to go first? Okay. Well, I had two shout outs actually, but one, and so I'll get rid of. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll do the first one, the not the Rocco special first one. There is a um, new cartoon. I think it got added like a month ago on Netflix called Twelve Forever that I just finished watching. It's twenty five hmm. episodes of the, in this season. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's um, the main character has just turned 12 and she doesn't want to get older and she's not interested in girl stuff and she's not anything. So she and her friends um, can go to this uh, weird island called Endless Island that is populated by weird, strange creatures and they have superpowers there and they just have silly adventures and everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, of course, back to the... uh, to the real world, and there's an undercurrent, which I was actually su- kind of surprised that it's going to be more than one season, because there's an undercurrent when you get through about halfway through the season of the fact that she's growing up, whether she wants to or not. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but her friends are definitely getting are definitely getting older. You know, I mean, they're 12. One of them turns 13 in the course of the series. And there's there's hints of all kinds of things. And I'm really intrigued as to where it's going to go. But it's very, very fun. And you get Matt Berry playing a um, creature that's created in Endless from horrible, horrible. So your body, your body is changing books. Um, oh, God. It, it appears to be a, fe- a female appearing creature voiced by Matt uh-huh. Perry, that um, Reggie names the Butt Witch. And she is the re- recurring antagonist, but not every episode. Uh-huh. So It's just a lot of fun. It's called but 12 it, Forever. But it's voiced yeah. by Matt Berry. It's voiced by Matt Berry. I'm in. Yeah. Oh, and I should, I should point out in terms of uh, LGBT friendliness that in the very first episode, you meet a pair of surface... surface uh, Circus strongmen, classical circus oh, no, strongmen with they're wrestlers. Oh, they're, no, they're, you're right. They're they, yeah, but they're like classic, you know, Wally Beery kind of, you know, long bearded, wearing a bathing suit kind of wrestlers, and they are gay together. Well, the reason that they're gay together is because they're two of Reggie's um, action figures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're married. She and, her, she and her friend Todd have decided that they're gay together, mm-hmm. and yeah. They're married. They love each other. And mm-hmm. so their love is very, very large. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and there's other LGBT content uh, um, that I really don't want to go into because it's spoilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just finished I just finished the, the, the first season last night, and I'm going to hope there's a second season because it feels like it's building towards something. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. So that's... So- the yep. other thing we wanted to talk about yes. is Rocco. Yeah. Because uh, since you're the one that wanted to shout out to it, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. So I've got very strong opinions. I want to, I want to talk about Oh my gosh. Okay. So, um, so Rocco's modern life was a cartoon in the nineties on Nickelodeon. And um, I, as a 20, <laughs> Would yeah. actually, I wouldn't, I didn't necessarily watch it regularly, but it, when it was on, I would try to catch it, and I just loved it. It's about a wallaby, an Australian wallaby named Rocco in um, a anthrop- in an anthropomorphic world who has a crazy friend who's a cow, and then a crazy friend who's a turtle. Um, and uh, hey, he's a steer. He's a steer. You're right. I'm sorry. He's a steer. Um, and uh, next door neighbors who are these. Uh, they're frogs. They're crazy-looking frogs called the Big Heads. Um, and Mrs. Big Head loves Rocco. Mr. Big Head hates Rocco. And their son, Ralph, is just this... I mean, Ralph is just this miserable guy who has this this definite undercurrent of, I want to get out of here, this is terrible, and and this incredible wellspring of creativity um, that... Uh, that is, it's it's definitely a, um, a subplot in the show is the fact that he and his father don't get along, that there is something going on, that you know, blah 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 blah. Now I did not watch it religiously, so I did not don't don't remember the season finale. But in the season finale, apparently um, 
Rocco and his uh, steer friend Heifer and his turtle friend Filbert get shot into space somehow. And that was 20 years ago. Fast forward to now. And um, there's been a Netflix, a special made for Netflix by the original creator with the original, um, I think it's mostly the original crew with definitely the original voice actors. And um, Rocco and his friends managed to get back to Earth and find everything is different because it's the 2010s. <laughs> and, you know, so his friends are like immediately get addicted to cell phones and things like that. And um, Rocco discovers that his favorite cartoon um, from 20 years ago, which was created by Ralph Bighead, is no longer around. So he is determined to... Um, to bring it back and he goes among other things he goes on a search for ralph and finds that ralph has changed too you want to take it liz okay so they find out that ralph uh has transitioned into rachel yay um (laughs) yeah yay um and the (laughs) thing that most excited me the thing that kind of blew my mind that i i will i will love this show forever because of it is that Rachel is still voiced by Joe yes. Murray. Yes, that Rachel, I was. Yeah, so like, Rachel has this deep voice, and as a deep voice trans woman, uh, it made my heart melt. Yes, I mean that was. I was like, oh, are they gonna get someone else to voice? Maybe voice it? No, the exact same voice. I can't really do it, but it's the exact same voice, and it's just great. Oh, and. You know, his his fears about going home is like, I've changed a lot since I last saw my parents, you know? It's just so... I never thought seeing two frogs hug would make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, we watched it. We watched it last night, and it, it, was, it was so good. Oh, God. Um, so, I mean, I don't know how, it, how good it would be for people who haven't... And we gave away a lot of spoilers. I'm, I'm sorry. But I don't know how good it would be for people who haven't seen Rocco before. But I'm going to recommend it anyway. Because it's really... There's, there's a lot there. I mean, with, with Ralph having issues with his... Um, with coming back and creating his cartoons... With change, there's so much about change. It's so important. Um, yeah, I'm really going to give it a big recommend. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely the best. Uh, so, uh, Fran, what what were you excited about this week? Fran, you still there? Fran. Uh, Unmuted, apparently. I, I, I accidentally scratched my belly button and hit my mute button. Um, yeah. Who knew? Yeah. Yeah. Now, don't tell everybody. Now everybody's going to... Yeah, anyway. Um, I, I was going to say, um, I have been really tired this week, and so I haven't been terrifically excited about anything. Uh, I guess... If I had to give a shout out, um, let's go with Gundam The Origin, which is currently showing on Crunchyroll. Um, if you are a Mobile Suit Gundam fan, if you're not a Mobile Suit Gundam fan, it's about giant robots and how adults ruin the lives of children by having wars. Well, that's what um, about generally. Yeah, well, yeah. But um, Gundam The Origin specifically is about the backstory of the biggest of the Gundam universes, the Universal Century um, uh, universe. Um, and it's about the origin of a war between um, the space-dwelling uh, Xeon forces and the United Earth government forces uh, who are back down on the planet. And the origins of most of the characters in uh, the original Gundam series. Oh. It goes into a great deal of depth. It gets into the politics of both the uh, both the, uh, the 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 Zavi family and uh, the uh, the Daikun family, who are the two big powers in the uh, 
the world of space. It gets into the history of the development of mobile suits and how a lot of the key players in Gundam got into the positions they were in at the start of the series. So maybe Bright Noah. Um, I I don't think we've seen Bright Noah, but we actually got to see uh, Amuro roaming around and getting into deep trouble with the gang of hooligans that he seems to hang out with, um, <laughs> who were definitely all going to come to sticky ends, it's quite clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get to find out that Shar Aznable, um, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Kozval Zoom Daikun, I'm not giving away <laughs> too much there, no. um, uh, was, a, was uh, basically destined to be a, uh, a scary spirit space uh, charismatic dictator pretty much from birth and i will i will leave it at that um and uh it's it's beautifully beautifully animated um uh the 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 character designs are um really uh done very strongly in the style of the original creator of the characters um the storytelling is really fantastic it's gigantic and bombastic and and it is it is you know it's it's faustian levels of space opera and uh i just uh i i'm really quite enjoying it and as i said it's on crunchyroll where you can watch it for free or without commercials if you just pay a few bucks a month well i might have to check that out because um mm-hmm. mobile suit gundam the original mobile suit gundam is still my favorite gundam series um mm-hmm. other than war in the pocket yeah. yeah. Uh, and I honestly, the Universal Century uh, universe is the only Gundam universe I care about. So, um, yeah, it's, that's pretty cool. I, I, there, there have been a couple of the, the, <clears throat> the there's been a couple of the spinoff series that I've, uh, non Universal Century series that I've enjoyed. But yeah, the UC is just so deep and so, um, yeah complicated and uh and um it's passionate and it has real meaning and depth and like i said the the real lesson is war ruins it for everyone and i say this as a giant fan of you know mecca and things that go shrew and tear by at high speed overhead yeah the thing i love about gundam um and especially the original gundam is um you know, I enjoy the mecha, as you know, but I'm not a, I'm not a war gamer guy. I'm not, mm-hmm. well, I'm not a guy at all. But you know what? I'm, not, I'm, 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 I'm into it. <laughs> I'm into it for the characters, and I'm into it for the melodrama, and just, and that is there. That it's in so many of the 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 giant robot things. It's like an add-on. In Gundam, it's the point, and I actually could recommend Gundam to people who are not into giant robots just because the characters are so fantastic and you feel for them. And yes, it's melodramatic, but it, it works wonderfully. Mm-hmm. I, I, will say, <laughs> I will say my favorite Gundam series is uh, always MS team. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, okay. eighth, eighth MS team is in the uh, universal century universe. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's, my my favorite Gundam but uh, I I have a big big emotional uh, attachment to Zeta Gundam because I originally watched it unsubbed untranslated just Mm -hmm. completely raw on tapes with a friend um, who uh, had printed out summaries yep and we just had a lot which was how you had to do it back in the day uphill both ways we just well, this was past those days. We, we just no, had it of, really wasn't. <laughs> we had a lot of fun uh, joking about a lot. Yeah, I guess no, none of Gundam was had been released in the U.S. Oh, at that point. None of it had, um, except yeah. um, except that OAV series. I can't remember what it was. What's it called? I don't know. Anyway, um, so it so yeah, so I have a, a, a emotional attachment to that, but definitely it's not the best. <laughs> So, um, I want to shout out to um, actually. So another, this is a YouTube personality I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name is Fran Blanche, and her YouTube channel is Fran Lab. Uh, she's a trans woman, 
and she does all sorts of cool electronic stuff. Uh, like she'll build like retro electronics kits. She'll go and tour various museums and stuff around the Philadelphia area. Um, and she also was part of, um, oh, I want to make sure I'm calling it the right thing. Uh, Project Egress that Adam Savage did. Oh, yeah. So for those that don't know, this was Adam Savage wanted to recreate the door, um, the hatch of uh, Apollo 11. So, like, he built he built the door um, and had various other people build different components. Uh, and she was part of it. Her contribution was um, one of the latches made out of, uh, I think, oak. Wow. Ooh. Like she, she does some cool stuff. Um, well, I, way to I, hold out for the way to hold out for the cool Fran name. Yeah, a, a trans a trans woman named Fran. I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but like, um, I Jess is who turned me on to her. Like, she does she does some cool stuff. Like, mm. um, like she like I think her day job is she, like she builds like. Um, custom made like uh, electronic music stuff, like wow. like guitar pedals, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then the channel is something she does. Um, I think is also like her other day job. I think <laughs> that tends to be how it works with Twitch and YouTube. Is I've got my day job, and then I've got the thing I devote all of my time to. But no, she's really cool. Uh, and if you like us and you like tech stuff. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not really a tech person, but um, Fran is interesting and engaging enough that I think you should go check her out, particularly if you uh, uh, if you like uh, queer creators like us. And what's the name again? Uh, Fran Blanche, but you could also just search Fran Lab. That's F-R-A-N Lab, and her channel should come up. Okay. But uh, yeah, so that's that's it. So... Once again, thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. Huge thanks to all the new listeners we've got. Our stats are way up. I can't believe we're this popular. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So thank you. Oh, that that means I should step in briefly and say buy my book. It's buy sold wherever uh, wherever fine ebooks are sold. That means Amazon, uh, uh, Nook, and Drive Through RPG. It is called Vigilant Through Shadows and Dreams, book one, and it is by Sarah Stewart, my wife, and Francis Stewart. That's me. And if you review it someplace and you find me on social media, I'll write you a haiku on, and I regret even saying this, any subject you ask. It's true. She will. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yep. So. Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm required by the Writers Guild of America. <laughs> really? No, not really. Oh, okay. <laughs> I I don't know. <laughs> so, oh god, uh, Fran, where can they find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Facebook as uh, Fran Stewart. Um, I uh. You can find me on Twitter as Ronald and Valor. Uh, and uh, Cassie, me. Uh, I am at Tip Transformed on Twitter. And uh, you can find me, Liz. Uh, I'm occasionally Cassie. <laughs> I'm not. I'm very tired, folks. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Please ignore me. Uh, but you can find me at little underscore Lizzie22 at Twitter. Uh, Kathy, where can they find uh, the podcast on Facebook? They can find the podcast on Facebook at Tabletop Transmissions. We have a page for that uh, that thing. Yeah, this thing, yeah. Uh, the thing you're listening to, That's and right. uh, <laughs> and you can find uh, you can find us on Twitter uh, at Transmissions. Um, listen up, because I spelled it wrong when I signed up. We are <laughs> at T R A N S. M-I-S-T-I-O-N-S. You know you can change ads on Twitter. I know, but at this point, it's 
just kind of plays into the word professionals. That's true. <laughs> so, and on that note, remember, folks, we're professionals. Kind of. Sort mm-hmm. of. Yeah, also, Fran, uh, Fran is. Yeah. I'm a professional something. Yeah. <laughs> also, go to Bad Alley. <laughs> uh, all right, gang. Well, we will catch you all next week. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to. And when I come back from um, FlameCon, we'll talk a little bit about that. Mm, yeah, that'd but, be but fun. Next yeah, week, we'll, you'll talk and we'll listen. Yeah, <laughs> but next week is table is D- diceless games, right? Diceless games. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening, folks. We'll catch you next time. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.